Hello, you are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. Hi, Simone. Um, you don't happen to be in <laughs> studio right now. Where are you? Well, Jacques, um, as usual, I have not made it to the studio on time. I felt like it had been a while, and I had been on time, even early a couple of times. So I like to keep you on your toes and not be where I'm supposed to be. Well, I do appreciate your commitment to still calling in. Um, and I'll have you know that because you're absent, you're missing out on a wonderful WGSO t-shirt that BJ just gifted me. I have yours, too. I'll decide whether I give it to you at a later date or not. Well, and in no way, I want to be very clear, in no way am I playing hooky to watch the Saints game. Oh, okay. So what, what, what have you been doing other than... <laughs> Actually, um, I'm on my way home from Baton Rouge. I was at our first guest office um, for the majority of the day. And so um, maybe I should have just taken the call with her this afternoon. But, yeah, I'm on my way back home from Baton Rouge. But let's not talk about me and why I'm late. How was your Thanksgiving? It was great. It was very relaxing. Ate a lot and then watched the Saints game, um, which was also very fun. Um, And so I hope, you know, we'll have another fun game tonight in Dallas. How about you? How was your Thanksgiving? It was really great. Same thing. Loved watching the Saints. There were some other games in there that I'd rather not talk about. But the Colonels, the Nichols Colonels, advanced in the playoffs. And so they will play um, Eastern Washington this weekend, too. We had Dr. Clune on and and Nicole Boudreaux a couple of weeks ago on the show. So go Colonels. Go Colonels. Yeah, that's awesome. And go Tigers, too. I mean, you know, that was... I know it was a tough game, but hey, they still scored, like, how many points? 74 points? 72 points? So... Yeah, it just never ended. Well, um, today we're talking about coastal resources, right? So there's, you know, no shortage of resources that, you know, folks like the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority, our groups provide um, to people, whether they're community members, whether they're, you know, scientists or whomever, to kind of understand the issues of coastal land loss and restoration. Um, so I'm excited to have two guests on the show um, that are going to highlight different resources that are available to the public uh, to better understand Louisiana's coast. Um, first up is Anne Haas, Outreach and Engagement Director at the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority. Welcome to Delta Dispatches, Anne. Well, hey, thanks for having me. And so you didn't happen to run into Simone today. Can you can you vouch for her story? Was she really at CPRA or is she in Dallas right now? I didn't see I her, but I believe her. Anne, I promise. Oh, <laughs> so Anne, um, we've had n- so numerous CPRA guests on the show before, but um, tell us a little bit about your role at the agency. Okay, well... I work mostly with communications and outreach and engagement. I basically get to talk about the work of the agency, um, Louisiana's master plan, our projects, our progress to protect and restore the coast. It's lots of fun stuff. Yeah, and, it's so, and Simone and I have talked about that a lot on the show. And, and as a fellow communicator, you know, it's so important that, you know, the work that's happening in terms of the engineering and the science and the modeling and actual construction of projects. But, you know, without the communicators and the people to do the outreach and engagement, you know, it, it, it's so important to, to have that piece. So glad that you're on. Tell us a little bit about your background. Are you from Baton Rouge originally? I am. I am. I'm from Baton Rouge. I'm girl. Oh, awesome. So did you, were you watching the LSU game? No. <laughs> I heard all about it. <laughs> I don't blame you. Um, so tell us a little bit about, I mean, you know, doing engagement and outreach for Coast, the Coastal Protection Restoration Authority. I mean, there's it's such a, 
an issue that you know affects so many areas across our state and across our coast. So you must be traveling a lot. What is your day to day like um, in in terms of engaging communities around coastal issues? Well, I mean, I work a lot in the office, but I do get to travel across the coast to attend meetings and events. And um, one thing we do that's a lot of fun is when we get to visit a project that's in construction or take a visitor out to see an active project because it's pretty amazing when you can actually see it happening. I remember we took some reporters from France out to, I guess it was the Bayou DuPont project, the long-distance sediment pipeline project, and we actually drove up onto dredged material that was coming out of the pipeline, and they, you know, distributed it, and then we got out of the car, and we walked on the land that was open water just minutes before. Um, so, you know, just experiencing things like that, and or, or even flying over the coast and seeing you know, what it looks like from above and then seeing the projects that are being, you know, implemented that are already down there that are creating shoreline or beach and dune or wetlands. It's just, I wish everyone could experience it. So that's that's really fun to see, but it's also a challenge to communicate because you can't really see it. It's way out there. So that's what we're trying to do with some of these resources we're putting out there, just trying to get the information into people's hands so that they can kind of see it too. That's great. And, you know, I mean, you mentioned that project specifically and kind of seeing the projects are so, um, they have such a great impact. But, you know, in terms of the work that CPRA has done, I mean, really since 2007, I know there's a stat that you all use and I find it so impressive. Um, but can you kind of give us an update on, you know, what the, the work that CPRA has done across the coast um, in terms of projects since that time? Sure. Sure. Well, you're right. We, I mean, there's been a lot of work done. It's, you know, for statistics, we've constructed 104 projects, benefited 41,000 acres of land, 297 miles of levee, and 60 miles of barrier island and shoreline. Um, and then right now, we have, you know, hundreds of millions of work underway. And like I said, it's just, it's in remote areas and not everyone can see it. And so, you know, we've started using social media, like to post photos and video footage of our projects so people can actually see some of the work out there and how it happens. But, um, yeah, there's a lot going on. But like I said, it's just hard to see. So it's trying to get that uh, communicated so that people can visualize it. Yeah, and I want to talk about some of the resources, but since you mentioned it, what are the CPRA, you know, Twitter handles and a website and Facebook so people can go and, and make sure they're following um, to get all that those great updates? Oh, okay. Well, we have, you know, our website, which is www.coastal.la.gov, and then all of our social media handles are the same. It's at Louisiana CPRA. That's great. Well, yeah, people should definitely be sure to follow because you all are posting, you know, awesome videos and graphics and stats all the time. And you're seeing firsthand the, the work that's being done across the coast. Um, well, I know that there was a new resource that you all recently launched. Um, tell us about CPRA's new blog. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's see. We launched a blog because, you know, blogs are so great. If there's a topic out there that you're interested in, you can find someone who's blogging about it. So. <laughs> For CPRA's blog, we wanted to get information out to our citizens and actually to anyone interested um, to learn about our coast and our citizens and our way of life and why the coast is so important. And so we call it Coastal Impacts, and we plan to tell stories about the people who live and work and recreate in coastal Louisiana and then to, to connect those stories to our work and our progress. So it's it's again, if you want to subscribe to that, you go to the website and you just click the subscribe button and you can follow that. I'm hoping to you know get something out there at least once a month, maybe more as we continue, but it's just a different way to communicate. 
Yeah, and I mean, it allows you to be visual and kind of, you know, um, provide context around some of the technical work that, that sometimes, you know, might get lost otherwise. What was the first blog you all published? The first one took a look at the August 2012 Hurricane Isaac and the floods uh, in and around Laplace affected 7,000 homes. We, we talk about a $760 million project for the West Shore and Lake Pontchartrain areas that will benefit, I guess, about 44,000 residents in those river parishes. And I guess the emphasis is, is, is basically on that, you know, we know in Louisiana people and neighbors and communities, they come together in the face of adversity. But just pointing out that projects like this, I mean, we can come together for, for better reasons than that, a cookout or a, or a shrimp boil or something. Mm-hmm. But, you know, having the blog, it's, it's just another way of getting information for people who, who, you know, they might like to read, or we use social media for people who do social media, or we do email for people that, that do email. So we're just trying to come up with different ways and, of, of telling the stories. Yeah, and I mean, for that area too, kind of the river parishes, and you mentioned Isaac, I mean, our groups have focused a lot on the Moorpaw Swamp and its importance in, in terms of protecting and restoring what's there, um, just in terms of critical wildlife habitat, but also storm surge for areas up into Baton Rouge. So um, I've, I really enjoyed reading that part of the blog. And we're about to head into a break, but I know there were some other really amazing resources that CPRA recently released this week. Um, do you mind hanging on and we can talk sure. about those in the next segment? Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll be right back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM, always available online, deltadispatches.org. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Don Cheadle. Listen up. I want to talk to you about something important, the Environmental Defense Fund. EDF isn't like some of the other environmental groups. EDF works together with those on both sides of the issue. Despite all the fighting in Washington, EDF has found ways for both parties to support real progress. That has made our air and water cleaner and the products in our homes safer. So not only can our planet prosper, so can our future. Go to edf.org to see how you can help. National Wildlife Federation gives voices to the wildlife conservation values that are part of our country's heritage. We are charting a new course for wildlife that our children and grandchildren will thank us for. Visit our website, nwf.org Louisiana, to find out more about our work to restore and protect coastal Louisiana for generations to come. National Wildlife Federation, uniting all Americans to ensure wildlife thrive in a rapidly changing world. nwf.org Louisiana. At Audubon, we believe that where birds thrive, people prosper. Nowhere is that more evident than in Louisiana. Integrating science, education, and policy, Audubon, Louisiana's mission is to conserve and restore natural ecosystems, focusing on birds, other wildlife, and their habitats for the benefit of humanity and the Earth's biological diversity. Visit la.audubon.org to learn more and support our mission. la.audubon.org. Restore or Retreat is a coastal nonprofit organization working in the heart of the Barataria and Terrebonne Basins, from the Mississippi River to the Atchafalaya. We work every day to restore Louisiana's coast community and culture with our mission of implementing long-term and large-scale projects for our irreplaceable region. We'll hope you join us in supporting the solution. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and online at www.restoreorretreat.org. 
And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. All right. And we're back with Ann Haas, Outreach and Engagement Director for the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority. Welcome back, Ann. Hi there. So before the break, you were telling us about um, the different resources that CPRA puts out to help uh, members of the community and stakeholders understand coastal issues, coastal restoration and protection. Um, you, men- you mentioned the email newsletter, um, and I actually learned about this next resource we're going to talk about from the email newsletter. So where can people go um, to make sure they're subscribing to get all those relevant updates? <laughs> well, uh, w- we do have an e-newsletter, and that means basically we send it via email. It's, it's called Coastal Highlights, and we send a monthly e-newsletter about our events and our meetings, and there's hyperlinks in there so people can get to the videos and information. So if they miss it on social media or they just don't do Facebook, they can get it by going to our website, and you can subscribe to all the different things you may want, whether it's the blog or the highlights or... Um, different types of meeting notices, all of those things, you can distinguish what, what you'd like to see. Awesome. And I, th- I think I want to say it might have been last week or early this week. Forgive me, my weeks are blending together as we get to the end of the year. Um, but you all sent an email with um, a really great digital uh, resource and uh, actually an abundance of resources. So tell us a little bit about that. So we have a new resource that is, is kind of an interactive website tool. Um, it's our coastal parish fact sheets. So it's a map that highlights Louisiana's 20 coastal parishes, and users can hover over the parish that they might want to select. And when you click it, it generates all of the information for past, current, and future master plan projects in a particular parish. So, um, you know, it's available to anyone with Internet access or if you're on your cell phone or whether you're in Bell Chase or Washington, D.C., wherever you are, you can click on a parish and generate everything that's going on there as far as it pertains to the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority and the work that's going on. That's great. And from your perspective, kind of what are, the, what are your goals in terms of providing these resources to people? Well, I guess these two is just another way of getting information into the hands of the people who, who rely on our coast. I mean, not just Louisianans, but anyone in the, in the United States or around the world who depend on the goods and services that come in and out of our ports and highways. I mean, we just want to make the information easy to access and share, and we want people to know about the vanishing coast and how it affects them and the master plan and our projects in progress. And, and like you said, we want people to connect with us on social media and our website and to share the post and to advocate with us to protect and restore the coast. So it's, it's just about getting information to them the way they like it or in a way that's easy for them to access. And, uh, you know, I was exploring uh, some of the tools earlier this week, and the map in particular is pretty sophisticated and offers a lot of options for filtering and, and looking at information and data in different ways. Um, tell us about that that tool and what someone can find in using it. Right. I guess that's the Coastal Information Management System. It's a little SENS icon, but also if you go to the parish map, you can kind of click on the projects and I mean, you can get lost in it. It's a coastwide map of all kinds of georeferenced information that you can explore, and you can look at the project, and you can look at the, you know, the phase of the project, and and all different types of things. The issues addressed, the goals, the location, maps, photos. So it's it's easy, like I said, to lose track of time. <laughs> but it's it's there for those who are really interested, and it's it's lots of fun to explore. That's great. 
Um, well, shifting gears a bit, I know we've had, um, you know, Clint Wilson on the show as well as Rudy Simino um, to talk about the Center for River Studies and the, the large scale physical model that's there. You all recently announced on Facebook that you would be, um, you know, allowing uh, visitors of school students, particularly grades four through 12, and I guess teachers can contact you all to potentially schedule a, a tour of the facility. Tell us about um, that. And, and if, if I'm a teacher, how can I, uh, you know, get involved? Yes, we're really excited about that. We've we've had lots of students come through and, and classes and visitors from all over the world, but we're actually starting to book 2019 dates for, like you said, 4th through 12th grade classes. And, um, you know, it, it the guided tour is free, and it walks students through the exhibit area that showcases how the Mississippi River Delta was formed and why we're losing land and what the CPRA is doing to stem the loss. And And then, as you mentioned, the highlight of the tour is when students get to go up and see this 90 by 120 square foot Mississippi River physical model and we project satellite imagery and animations and simulations onto it and it's just amazing for the students to see and you can just email rivermodel at la.gov to request information or you can go to our website at coastal.la.gov and there's a banner right there and you just click on the schedule 2019 class tours and it'll take you where you need to go that's so cool and you know i have had the pleasure of actually visiting the river center um and it is breathtaking and and i remember being you know a student i'm sure simone did this when she was a student as well um going to a planetarium and you're just amazed at kind of what you're seeing and this is that but like on a whole nother scale and so you know i, th- I can't imagine being you know, a student and, and seeing this and, and seeing kind of the land, you know, the, being in the area where you where you live and being inspired uh, for the future. So I know this is something you're really passionate about, but what is the opportunity, do you think, to engage our youth and, and school students on, in the coast and in, in having a future stake on, on coastal issues? Well, I mean, I think they're, first of all, our, our children are our future, our future workforce, our future, you know, think tank and our future advocates and you know I just think it's it's really important for them to have an understanding and appreciation of why Louisiana's problem matters not only to us but like I said to everyone in the country and the world that depends on everything that comes up and out of our coast um, I just think that you know it's it's been a long time since you know we've really focused on on that and, and now we have all these wonderful resources you know, it, it's a prime opportunity to to get children here to experience it and to see it and to visualize it so that they can appreciate it. Great. And one more time, uh, give folks uh, where they can email to request a tour. <laughs> okay. Rivermodel at la.gov. Okay. Um, so what, I mean, I can't believe this. We're almost at December, which means 2019 is tomorrow. But uh, what are you looking ahead uh, to 2019 for? And, and what can we expect coming from CPRA in, in the next year? Oh, my goodness. Projects, progress, projects, progress. <laughs> um, there's just a lot going on that, you know, Louisiana can really be proud of. I mean, we're embarking on the largest ecosystem restoration in the world. We're starting to see a little bit of money coming from the Deepwater Horizon oil spill. We have some recreational use projects that are going to get underway. Um, We're working on sediment diversion projects. And, I mean, all of this is happening right here in Louisiana. It's something to really be proud of and to talk about and to promote. 
Awesome. And uh, an, an annual plan will be released uh, at the Absolutely. beginning of the year, correct? That's right. We're going to get out and about around the coast uh, January 20, 28th, 29th, and 30th. We're going to hit the road and talk about our, our plans for the upcoming year and the subsequent two years past that. So. Okay. Well, we'll probably have to have another uh, CPRA representative on to talk about all the good stuff that's in the annual plan. Um, and before I let you go, I have to ask a fun question. So no pressure, but I guess, you know, I'm already in the holiday spirit. I'm listening to holiday music. I'll admit it. You know, I have been since like two weeks before Thanksgiving. So what is your, you know, with your kids or grandkids, what is your favorite holiday tradition in Louisiana? Oh, my goodness. I don't know if it's relevant to Louisiana, but um, <laughs> my favorite holiday tradition, I guess, is just, uh, you know, being with the family and, and waking up on Christmas morning together and, and having our little time together where we eat biscuits and ham and gather together and open our stockings and I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's it's pretty standard stuff. <laughs> no, that's that's awesome. That's special. Well, um, What's your shot? Oh my gosh. Well, I have to say I love, I mean, Celebration in the Oaks is, has always been just something that I, I love and I've gone to since I'm a little kid. And even, you know, now I, I go and I still love it. I went for the first time ever last year to the bonfires on the levee and that was just amazing. And it was it was perfect weather for it. So maybe I'll try to go again this year, but no shortage of, of things to do. Well, um, Anne, thank you so much for being on Delta Dispatches. Really appreciate it. And all the work that you and your team are doing to highlight what's happening with CPRA um, and, you know, all the progress that's being made on the coast. So thank you so much, um, Ann Hawes, Outreach and Engagement Director with the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority. And when we're back, we'll talk about some more coastal resources um, right after the break. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're back. You're listening. Can we just listen to that? <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Delta Dispatches and you too. <laughs> it is Hoodat Thursday. It is. Yes. Um, and it is time for our coastal stat, stat of, of the, the week. W- and before you give it, stat of the I just week. would like to inform Billy Malaz that Simone is here in studio and she shows up for the important things. I am. I got my shirt. Thank you. She has BJ, her shirt and shirt. she's ready to deliver the coastal yeah, stat of the they week. They will not let me have a key to this place for some reason. <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll have to talk to PJ about that too. But the coastal stat of, of the, the week. week. Since 1932, Louisiana has lost more than 2,000 square miles of land, which amounts to? The entire state of Delaware. New York City, including all five boroughs every 13 years. Or the entire District of Columbia, 31 times. That's crazy. I know. It's it, We don't want to be Debbie Downer, but we also want to, you know, kind of provide the information yes. and let people know what, really what's happening. And I mean, can you think about, like, imagine... Manhattan, all the boroughs just gone. Gone. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that goes, you know, what Anne was saying about telling a story. And, and you have to use stats like that to be able to convey to people so they can kind of get their mind around 
okay, what what is 2,000 square miles? Which is, you know, another reason why, you know, football field, every 100 minutes, all that's all very helpful. But it, it's, uh, it is Debbie Downer, but it's part of the way we have to mm-hmm, tell our story, mm-hmm. too. And I mean, especially when you're thinking about certain audiences in D.C., maybe not our congressional delegation, right. but other states, you know, and you're, you're trying to visualize and explain, you're like, well... You know, senator from Wyoming, mm-hmm. and, and just made something up. I, I honestly have nothing. You got something against Wyoming, <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, hey, you know this district. You're in it yeah. every day, and it would be just it would, basically this would be gone from our coast in Louisiana. Yeah, it's just so important for us to tell the story, however people would understand it. And I thought Ian did a great job of kind of explaining, like, you know, maybe you're not a Facebooker, maybe you want to read this or read mm-hmm. it that way. So I thought that she did a great job of doing that. Somebody else who does a great job is is John Lopez from the Lake Pontchartrain Basin Foundation. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, hey, Simone. Uh, how you guys doing? Good. I actually um, just recently, uh, in the past maybe couple of weeks, John was part of a video um, for This American Land. That's a PBS show. Um, you were in that too. I was. And our uh, dear like, friend but, Chris no, Macaluso. I was in there for like, like 30 seconds. John had a nice starring role, and so did our good friend uh, Chris Macaluso and Captain Ryan Lambert, who's been on the show before too. But uh, we need to find a way to share that link, John. I thought you did a really great job. John was at the Bonnie Carey during flood stage, and um, it was a very cold day, if I remember that right, John. <laughs> yes, it was. But uh, yeah, uh, it was a great opportunity. You know, it's always. Uh, important to get our story out about what's going on in Louisiana. You do a great job telling that story, John. So, John, what's been going on um, with LPBF or with you since we last spoke? Well, uh, one of the things that uh, we've produced, uh, I think uh, a lot of the public knows, we, we do a lot of monitoring in the area, in, in our coast, uh, in our particularly in our base, in the Pontchartrain Basin, and we produce our maps, our hydrocoast maps, every two weeks, and, you know, that's a nice continuous snapshot of what's going on, but we felt it was important to kind of look a little longer term. And so uh, about a month ago, we began releasing uh, what we call our estuary atlas. Uh, And so basically this shows over a year, basically, the changes that were going on in the basin, you know, water inflow, salinity, uh, uh, fishing activity, oyster uh, fishing, uh, shrimp fishing, it kind of summarizes uh, and gives uh, kind of a, a little better view of, of what's going on on our coast here. John, I want to get into that atlas. I mean, there, I was looking at it earlier and just digging into all of the reports and the maps and data, and it's just so impressive. But to set the stage, can you give our listeners kind of an understanding of what the Pontchartrain Basin is? And then I know you distinguish between the basin and the estuary. So kind of, can you explain that and kind of sure. the, the ge- geography of those places? Sure. Uh, uh, thanks, Jock. Yeah, the the, uh, the Lake Pontchartrain Basin Foundation legislatively, uh, our mandate is uh, pretty much everything east of the river within Louisiana. So that includes the Florida parishes all the way down to the Delta. Uh, of course, Lake Pontchartrain in New Orleans is more or less right in the center of that area. Uh, so that's the entire basin. So that includes uh, you know the coastal estuary portion as well as uh, upland habitats, uh, you know, like the piney woods on the North Shore. And so the uh, the estuary part, which is what we focused on in our atlas, represents about two-thirds of that total area. The, the, the whole basin is, is about 10,000 square miles. The estuary is about 6,000 square miles. And, of course, that estuary part, a lot of it's water, like Lake Pontchartrain, but, but it also is... 
uh, many, many miles of, of marsh and forest and swamp. So, John, like the information in the atlas, you know, what sort of information can you find and, and how do you foresee people using that? Well, I think it's uh, uh, critical because uh, we know that our coast is changing, uh, you know, from a number of reasons. And, um, you know, of course, there are restoration projects, which are maybe making modest changes to the coasts, but, but there are big changes going on. You know, our wetland loss continues, uh, uh, saltwater intrusion uh, is occurring in many areas, uh, you know, this degradation uh, that has occurred. Uh, well, this kind of looks over that 12 months to begin to see a little bit more kind of the tangible changes, you know, uh, where are we seeing wetland loss? Where are we actually seeing some gain? Uh, uh, what are the, the, the salinity fluctuations that we have that uh, a lot of people are conf- what, uh, uh, what want to know about because, because of the uh, uh, importance to fisheries, uh, shrimp and, and oysters, and uh, so to a lesser degree, uh, crab. But uh, the... Uh, the map is, or the maps, I should say, are meant to be, uh, you know, as user friendly as possible. But uh, you do have to, uh, you know, you know, go to the maps or PDF files, which most people can open those those kinds of files, and take a look at your area. You know, zoom in on that area, and, and you know, that'll probably help make sense by starting someplace that you're familiar with. And John, I mean, there are like a number of different reports, and um, as part of the atlas, I know one is the. Um, the Swamp Restoration Suitability Report, which is really interesting. Tell us about that and, and how you see it being used. Yeah, uh, that, that's actually a, an exciting part of it. Uh, we, we started our swamp suitability work, uh, I think, two years ago. And uh, this year we, we rolled it up into our atlas. But basically what that is is looking at some key parameters. Uh, and really the most important one is what's called uh, soil salinity, and, and, it, and that's Kind of what it sounds like. It's basically the the concentration of, of salt or salinity in the water that are is in the ground uh, in the pool water, and that is what the plants feel. You know, they, they re- the plants don't really feel or you know are affected by the water in ponds or in lakes. What they feel is is the water that is in the ground. So we look at the soil salinity, and uh, over the past year and the previous year. And uh, in some other um, critical variables to identify areas that are now suitable for swamp restoration. And because of the MRGO, that is significant. A lot of areas that historically, when the MR was open, uh, were too salty, in fact, were killing off the swamps, are now, we think, suitable for restoration. In fact, we've started that restoration in several areas. Uh, our land bridge is one of the largest, and we um, planted about 30,000 uh, trees on the Mawpaw land bridge and, and having about an 80% survival rate. So uh, the trees are starting to grow back uh, rather than continue to decline. Uh, so that, it's very exciting to see. It's, it's an opportunity for restoration, but also we're hopeful that there will be some natural recovery. So, John, where can people go to access the Atlas? And, and it will be updated? 
Yes. Uh, the um, Basically, you just need to go to our, our website, uh, saveourlake.org, and uh, if you go to our Coastal tab, you'll see that there is a uh, an Estuary Atlas tab, one of the little drop-down menus. And if you go there, basically there's, there's you know, a little explanation about uh, the uh, each of the maps, and uh, you can pull up, you know, each map individually and, and scroll through it. Uh, but basically, you know, saveourlake.org, our, our, our main website. Awesome. Well, John, I want to talk a little bit more about the Atlas and other things going on with um, Lake Pontchartrain Basin Foundation. We're about to head into a break, um, so we'll talk to you on the other side of the break. But everyone okay. else can uh, hang on, and you can always listen to Delta Dispatches on deltadispatches.org, and we'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM, always available online, deltadispatches.org. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. And I am Jackie Bear with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. Again, the funniest conversations during the break. I know. I know. I and we're really going to have to start taping what happens so. during the break. Or probably not. Not, <laughs> not all of them. Facebook Live. Um, <laughs> so it is time for John's fun question. And since I um, carried the first half of the show, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm going to hand it over to Simone to ask the fun question. John, um, Jack talked about holiday traditions earlier. Um, so are you a fake tree guy, a real Christmas tree guy? Are you a flocked? You can't be a flocked tree guy. What's your, well, what, what kind of Christmas tree do the Lopez is that? I, I, I'm afraid that like a lot of families in this country, we're kind of divided. Oh. <laughs> do you have like cypress saplings that you stole from Theron <laughs> no, no, that you decorate? No, I, I, I kind of like the natural trees. Uh, Sharon likes the, uh, the, uh, artificial trees and, mm-hmm. and, and that's what we go with, uh, and it makes sense to be honest. It's 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 a lot easier, and uh, you know we, we kind of know what we get every year. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we we almost bought a, a new uh, uh, tree, artificial tree this year that was artificially flocked, <laughs> but we stayed with the old one. Uh, but so yeah, we we've been artificial for about five years now. So we've been artificial. <laughs> I love that. So many choices. When I was little, we actually used to cut down our Christmas tree. Wow, where did mm-hmm. you go? I know there's uh, some places. Yeah, on the North Shore. Yeah. yeah, I heard there's a place in Covington too. So yeah, that used to be fun for us to do. But uh, John's right. There's something about the predictability. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, we always get a big hole on this side, or you know, no Christmas tree is perfect. But there's a lesson there, yeah. right? Yeah. To our right. kids, it's, so. it's, it's it's one of those uh, what uh, ordeals that every year you kind of love and hate at the same yeah. time. It's kind of like potato salad in your gumbo or outside your gumbo too. House divided. House yep. divided. <laughs> we were we were with a real tree, but every now and then we get a flocked one. Oh, yeah. get sassy. So, John, I do have a question. You know, some we talk about the Pontchartrain estuary, but then there's also the Pontchartrain basin. So, mm-hmm. like, can you talk about that and the difference? And um, there there is a difference. Yes. Sure, sure. I mean, the, the North Shore area is uh, it's about 4,000 square miles, and that basically um, is a different habitat from the estuary. But they are related because those North Shore areas, you have the rivers, uh, you know, the Amit River, Tantapoa, Tickfaw, and so forth, that actually drain into Lake Marpa or Lake Pontchartrain. Uh, so the habitat is different, but hydrologically they are uh, connected and 
So that's kind of the basis of our mission is basically to not have just the coastal area, but also this area that actually drains into the lakes and ultimately into our estuary. So I wanted, sorry, I was just going to say, I wanted to cover that again, because something like the Mr. Go has a huge negative impact on the basin. Yeah, yeah, the the creation of the MRGO impacted uh, a huge portion of, of our basin. Uh, of that um, uh, 6,000 square miles in the estuary, probably uh, more than half of that was affected by the MRGO. Uh, the, uh, prior, the thing that was surprising uh, when they closed the MRGO was that prior estimates by us and others uh, had suggested that the impact was about 600,000 acres from the MRGO when they built it. But when they closed it, we started seeing a recovery much larger than that, so they, basically twice as big. So we now see, we now think the original impact was about to 1.2 million acres. Wow. So that's kind of a short history, too, right? They closed it in, what, 2009, John? Yeah, so, it was in 2009, and it's, yeah, it is amazing that the, the basin is, is, and it's not just that, it, it's amazing to see what has happened by now, but... We can look at, I was talking about the soil salinity uh, earlier, we can look at these graphs of the soil salinity, and it's like somebody turned a switch. I mean, like, the moment they closed the MRGO, the soil salinity started changing. And that's something we can talk about in real time, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's in, it, it must be kind of neat for you to look at, John, right, who's kind of seen the worst and the best, to be able to see something like that in that short of a period of time. And that big of an impact, too. I mean, it's it's kind of uh, what uh, scary or daunting that that we're in this crisis. But as a restoration scientist, uh, you know, this is not hypothetical. I mean, you know, the bad and the good is happening. And and so it's it's very real world. And from a scientific standpoint, I mean, it's a a very special opportunity to, 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 you know, be part of and see and witness uh, what's happening to an ecosystem like this. Yeah, I mean, and, and just how important action is, right? That it will have a significant impact. Um, so ta- let's talk a little bit about, again, going back to the Estuary Atlas. I mean, obviously, a lot of the people who use and depend on the Pontchartrain Basin and the estuary, you know, are fishermen. Um, and it has very rich, you know, uh, fisheries throughout. Um, I know there are some specific uh, tools within the Atlas uh you know, aimed at providing information to fishermen and others. Um, so tell us a little bit about the Oyster Habitat Suitability Report, and then we can get into some of the other tools as well. Sure. Uh, yeah, the Oyster Suitability is kind of like our, our swamp suitability. We've been doing it a couple of years, and we, we rolled that into uh, the uh, estuary atlas. But basically, uh, like Cypress, we looked at certain parameters. In this case, it's it's the surface water salinity, which is one of the main parameters, uh, which we look at. And it's not a constant salinity, but basically a fluctuation of the salinity, which oysters like. So we basically use our information we've been collecting for years and uh, look at how the salinity flux at every point in our entire basin and see where that fluctuation most closely matches the optimum conditions for oysters. So we highlight that on the map. Uh, if you look at the map, it's, it's the green area, you know, the good area, the green area. And uh, so that, that basically shows where, you know, if you're an oyster fisherman or if you're a fisherman that is targeting fish that like that same kind of habitat zone, then the map shows where that is, at least for uh, the last year. And, um, and you have a similar report on, fi- on shrimp? 
For sure, we we have uh, we haven't done a suitability, but what we do have is in the atlas is we go out and um, I don't know about once a month we'll actually fly over the basin and map active oyster boats or shrimp boats, and we have those maps in the atlas. So you can look at the maps and see in the past year basically where shrimp boats were active. So it's not quite the same, but it's a very good indication, you know, if you're interested in where you know, the fishermen have been finding shrimp, basically it's, it's you know, a good idea where to go. The shrimp, the shrimp fishermen usually know where the shrimp are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty neat, pretty neat. Well, John, we're wrapping up this show. We're almost to our end, but we want to talk about something cool that, like, Pontchartrain does. Y'all do Lights on the Lake that's coming up on December 15th um, from 2 to uh, 8 p.m., at the lighthouse, do you have to string the lights up, or what happens? Do you have a role? Uh, are you out there on a boat? Do you light yes. up? A, do you light up your boat, and are you do they make driving you, by? Do they make you dress up like Santa Claus? Are you Santa Claus? Yes. yes. Well, there's usually something uh, fairly embarrassing for, for me and the, <laughs> the other volunteers to do, but it's fun, and it's actually a great event. You know, the there's the boat parade that goes right by the lighthouse, and so, you know, it's uh, great to be out on the lake. There's always things going on. Last year, we had this, one of these, uh, uh, I don't even know what they call it, but these, these, uh, these jet propulsion uh, oh. Devices where the guys just shoot up in the yeah, air, you know, yeah. based on the the rockets. I mean, and I've seen those before. Yeah, yeah. Really, I don't even know what they call that, but it's a, it was very crazy. Cool. That's and what they call that. <laughs> yeah, crazy. But the but the boats are really fun too. They're all lit up, and uh, you know, and and they go back and forth. You know, it's like they'll, they'll go out and then they come back. So it goes on for hours, and uh, so yeah, it's, uh, you know, please come out December fifteenth uh, at at the New Basin Canal Lighthouse. Great. And, you know, we were talking about holiday traditions earlier, and that's another awesome holiday tradition right here in our in our region. So, well, thank you so much, um, Dr. John Lopez with Lake Pontchartrain Basin Foundation for being on the show again. And again, thanks for all the great work that y'all are doing. The Estuary Atlas is wonderful and such a good resource for so many. So, um, well, with that, that's another show yes. down you know the drain and now we're headed to a saints game well we're not headed but we're gonna go watch it in spirit so, yeah. in spirit yeah. i promise to make next week's show on time okay i, I can't make maybe, the I, same should. maybe I should make it. <laughs> all right well thank you all for listening to delta dispatches thanks to ann haas and, with yes, cpra definitely. as well as dr john lopez um again go online subscribe rate us like us do all Don't those fun us. things <laughs> rate us if you like us um and we will be back next week on delta dispatches